today on Rolling with New York Mike. Our education system is falling apart. Our economy is falling apart. Yeah, but it hasn't fallen apart. It's still the best there is. Yeah, by what measure? By the measure of freedom. And we're going to keep it free. Welcome to Rolling with the most patriotic man I know, my husband. And now, his podcast, Rolling with New York Mike. Get on the ride. Hi, I'm New York Mike, and this is Rolling with New York Mike. Yeah, we used to be called, it used to be Roll Right Radio. Roll Right Radio with New York Mike, yeah. <laughs> and and, and you know, a lot of people, not a lot of people, but a few people said things about the fact that, well, you know, Mike, it's kind of right wing, and a lot of people don't want to live. There's a lot of Democrats out there. And I have nothing against any of Matter of fact, I address those Democrats and those liberals, and I, I talk to them. On, on this podcast, what I didn't want to do is exclude anybody or make some people feel this was a uh, a podcast for right wing conservatives or anything like that. So here I am, you know, just a, a, an average American, very conservative beliefs. I, I believe in the Constitution, America, the flag. I'm a veteran, I'm proud to have served this country and all those things. So. I, I'm, and I am sensitive to people who believe differently from me. Now, that doesn't mean I agree with anything they say, but I certainly agree that they have every right to say it and not be condemned, called names, or or anything else, or even made to feel like they're doing something wrong. And I have people I'm very close with who I don't agree with, and I, maybe I just don't spend a lot of time around them or <laughs> with I mean, but that's not, I, I don't, I don't make them feel bad. I don't say, Oh, I'm not going to be with you because I don't like your opinions. We do talk about these things, but I don't denigrate people because I don't agree with them. I'm, I'm very strong in my beliefs and I'm very strong to argue for my beliefs and against those things that, that I don't believe in with people I know who I know well and people I don't know at all, the way just meet and happen to bring it up. It happened the other day. Somebody was talking to me about, and and I don't think it was somebody who's, a, by the way, a, a left winger. I think it was a fairly conservative person, but their opinions differed from mine. So we discussed it, we talked about it. Anyway, my point is, again, you know, here's this President Biden goes to the graduating. He's a speaker at the graduating ceremony in 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 at, at a historically black college i think it was grambling i'm not sure which one they're all great schools and hits a graduating class and what does he talk about the biggest threat to the united states of america is white supremacy and what's a white supremacist is that somebody who who says no there's no such thing as white privilege is that somebody who says that we're all created equal, that we believe in the Constitution for everybody, that this is a great country. Don't, I'm getting all worked up here. <laughs> in, in spite of doing some things that might have been considered, it's kind of interesting because I think about it, I think about the United States of America as a nation, one nation under God. And I, I don't know exactly how many states there were during the Civil War, but the United States of America did not condone slavery. I don't want to argue about the whole point. There was the states in the South 
the Confederacy and they broke away from the country. Now the whole country is being condemned. The whole country that not only fought against slavery, but actually fought a civil war where we lost almost 700,000 Americans. Yes, on both sides. And they were both Americans. And, and we, we fought this war. Now we come here today and, 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 and he's going to identify a blanket group of people as white supremacists? What is a white supremacist? I, I really, I, I, that's a catch-all phrase that could be applied to every white person. And as a matter of fact, there are, who's the black? I think it was the guy that, he's now running for president. What's his name? He's the, the talk radio guy's always on Fox News. <laughs> I can't remember names. But he said he's the black face of white supremacy. I mean, this is ridiculous. It's irresponsible. It's, it's dead on wrong. And I, I, I mean, because a person has an opinion, there are black people, Black Lives Matter people, who think that only black, I've seen their signs, only black lives matter. And all black lives matter. And things like that. But does that make them a danger to America? Well, they're, they're, they're a group that I think is a, a, a bad thing. I, I, I th uh, are, they, are they evil? Yeah, in some ways they are. Are they a terrorist organization? I don't think so. Are they an organization that's the most dangerous situation facing America? I don't think so. I, I, I don't think that their existence is a good thing for America. I don't think their goals are positive for the country. I don't like or appreciate or whatever this Black Lives Matter organization. It's also a ripoff, in my opinion. They, they raise money for themselves. I mean, that, that is, a, is a separate issue. The fact that, you know, the um, founders of it have, have, have <laughs> redirected the funds to, to things that go into their pocket. That's all, that's all, you know, is it criminal? Is it not? Is it whatever? Is it a ripoff? Yeah, it is. Um, <clears throat> all that stuff. But the premise of the organization that all these people follow is that black lives haven't mattered in this country. And, and, and now there's an organization that's going to rectify that. Well, I don't think that's the case. And I, I don't think that we should ever say black lives never matter. We fought hard for, you know, equal opportunities for everybody. And we can get into all that stuff. But that's not what I wanted to talk about today. And I'm going to talk about a bunch of other stuff. But one of the things that really bothered me is I keep on seeing this president. Yeah, he's the president of the United States of America. And I, I think that's a tragedy. I think it's a tragedy for America. It was a bad thing. It was a terrible thing. And it became a worse thing. And it became, now it's a tragedy. This, this person, Joe Biden, who I always thought was corrupt. And I always thought he had a, you know, his whole family's a, the corrupt Biden. All that stuff. I, I, I agree with that. And I think in time, I think we'll see evidence to that. And I think there will be sanctions and, and all that. But in the meantime... In between time, here we have a situation where, um, where, where, where we have we we have a um, a president that's leading us down a path to 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 destruction. What he did in Afghanistan, I don't have to bring all this up. The crisis at the border and everything else. This is really bad, but the. 
the destruction of America from within. That's the scariest and the worst part when you have a president that says white people are, are here to destroy the country. And you could say white supremacist. Well, what makes a, a white person a supremacist versus a non-supremacist? Then he goes ahead and condemns MAGA Republicans. I am a MAGA Republicans. MAGA standing, make America great again. And that's, that's a noble thing to want to do. And he's trying to turn it into something horrible. And this is what this guy is doing. It's class warfare. He is instigating class warfare. They can condemn Trump, and they do every day, for January 6th for inciting the riots and the things like this and that. <laughs> there wasn't much of a riot going on there. There are a few people who do belong in jail. To pay, but that, that's a handful. A bunch of those people that went in there were just following the crowds. And, and the leads of the FBI and whoever else said, oh, come on in. Go see the film. There's plenty of them. Tucker Carlson lost his job over showing them. But it's out there, and you could see it. And I was there. And my, my retired cop friends called me up and said, Mike, there's, they're not setting up a perimeter. They're not doing anything. They're, they're breaching the Capitol, and something's wrong. Yeah, something was wrong. It was a setup. Okay. You, you can argue the point, you could, you could say all that. But then when you say that all that is caused because Donald Trump said we're going to walk peacefully to the Capitol and that you're condemning Trump, you I'm talking to the left wing, to the Democrats, to all those people that are agreeing with that, that Donald, Donald Trump somehow caused and helped or helped incite that riot. He thought the election was stolen. I thought the election was stolen. Ashley Babbitt thought the election was stolen. We're not criminals because of what we thought. And so he didn't incite anything. I was there. I went there so that the country could know that I am protesting this, what I call a sham election. Do I accept it? Of course I do. However, he got in, you know, safe on first. <laughs> That's the umpire's call. Do I agree? It doesn't matter if I agree. He's safe on first. <laughs> the next home run, the rings of his, going to be a two-run homer, not a solo homer, because he's safe on first. So Joe Biden's elected. Do I think it was right, fair, or anything else? Well, you know what? That's, that's not the point. The point is that January 6th was a protest, and it, and it, it got out of hand. There were people that destroyed things. There were people who are guilty of damaging the, the other people, by the way, and but that's a handful of people. Most of those people are arrested just there to protest and didn't do more than protest, peacefully protest. Some did not peacefully protest. And it's easy to see which is which. So you condemn a president, Trump, for doing something so contained within the walls of the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. And yet, a president, Biden, who stands up over and over and over again and incites hatred amongst Americans and foments that those feelings that 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 a, we have the right. If you're black, you have the right to rise up against those who hate you, those white supremacists, the most dangerous people in America, the most dangerous situation this country is facing, not China. Not Islamic terrorists, not a failing economy, not the crisis. No, white people.
people who think they're better than other people because they're white. Oh, okay, is there a different, okay? White people who belong to the KKK, okay? How about white people who belong to the Nazi party, okay? I mean, what's the definition? What's he doing? Aside from inciting hatred within the country amongst each other. That's what he's doing. And anything that happens, whether it's murder, whether it's rape, whether it's robbery, whether it's whatever, whether it's the extortion of organizations like Black Lives Matter. It's on the president of the United States and this administration and the Democrat Party that doesn't condemn what they're doing, that doesn't speak up, that wasn't, that follows the lead of this man who somehow, some way, got to be the president of the United States of America. So that's my rant for the day. <laughs> That's what got me, you know, I, I mean, I'm furious. Now, look, there's a, there's a few things I want to talk about because, again, I apologize for being so late. My last podcast was my uh, interview with Woody, owner of the Buffalo Chip, and it was great, and I appreciate him being here and, and doing that with me. And I want to tell you, Buffalo Chip is almost as much of an institution as Sturgis itself. And that's because of the efforts of this man. This this guy, Woody, is amazing. He's just such a, a, a constantly promoting, working. And I, I so respect that. Here's somebody, I'm not counting other people's money or or success or anything else. I just count what I, what I see and what they do for all of us. I don't know what he needs or doesn't need, but it doesn't seem like he needs to do this. But he does it. He does it out of love and out of caring for the town he's from and where he lives and the people he's with and for all the reasons that motivate him to do what he does. I got to tell you, he's a hard-working entrepreneur. I mean, during Sturgis Week, he's working every day, and you understand that. But I know this man for a long time, and I'm telling you, he works all year round, not just promoting what he's doing, but enhancing the Buffalo Chip Campgrounds making it better all during the year and doing what he does to prepare for the next year's Sturgis rally and then promoting it on and on and on. I, I hope that you've listened to that podcast and that interview, and I hope I did a decent job of bringing out all these things a lot of people either don't know about and some people just take for granted the hard work and efforts of others. To, to bring us these these few moments of happiness. <laughs> it's it's really cool. But so I'm leaving in a few days. That's right. Like I don't know what day this podcast is coming out, Monday or Tuesday, but I'm leaving like Thursday. It might be Friday, depending on the weather. I mean I don't need to be on the road an extra day. If the weather's iffy, we're gonna leave early. If the weather's really nice <laughs> and we're gonna check it out. My buddy Mark Navat and I've talked to him. I've had him on the podcast, me, him, and Robert Thatcher. And um, we'll be leaving here together. Robert will have already been, I think, on Wednesday. He leaves for Oklahoma for the National Booze Fighters Rally down there. And then we'll leave a, a day or two later. Mark is actually flying in from Japan where he's visiting his son and his son's wife and, and his grandchild over there. So, um, yeah, so he's flying in and, and, and we'll be leaving again. Mark is 
pretty high tech guy. Yeah. So he's got some great weather radar stuff. So instead of me just looking at my iPhone, I'll wait for him to get here and then we'll check and decide if we're going to take, well, we have the two choices, the 70 or the 40. If we take the 40, we'll meet up with Robert in Oklahoma and then just take off from Oklahoma. So he's not going to leave Oklahoma till Sunday. So there's no sense in leaving Thursday. We leave Friday. We ride Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll be there. So there's no sense in you know leaving any earlier than we have to. And if if the weather allows us, I'd much rather go over the 70 over the mountains of Colorado. I I just like that route. So we'll see. It'll be a last minute decision. And if we do that route, we'll meet Robert someplace on. I-70 or I-76, uh, somewheres in, I don't know, Missouri, probably. So it's going to be, um, that's it. It's on. We're headed to Washington, D.C. Um, it, it's, it's you know, Memorial Day weekend. It's my 40th year. The first year that I rode, well, I, I, I went to the uh, dedication of the wall, on Veterans Day of 1982, but the first Memorial Day was Memorial Day 1983, and I rode down. I lived in New York at the time. Rode down from New York on my Harley, backed my wheel to the curb on Constitution Avenue. I'm trying to remember the campgrounds that we stayed in that weekend. And then, what, five years later was the first Rolling Thunder. So this is the 40th year that I've ridden my Harley to Washington, D.C. on Memorial Day. And um, for all those years of rolling thunder, now taken over by the Ambits, thank God, and called Rolling to Remember because they couldn't use the Rolling Thunder name because Rolling Thunder was still there in now 12 different states all around the country. And and that's great. They're, they're, they're doing their thing, but they're not in Washington, D.C., so a little bit of politics there. But it's still Rolling Thunder to me. <laughs> it's the Rolling Thunder component of Rolling to Remember. But thank God to the Ambit. So we're going to be rolling in, hopefully on Thursday. That'd be the 25th. And Thursday night, I, I think we're going to dinner. I know that there's a welcome home concert for Vietnam vets and all that. But I, I'm, I'm not sure how I how that's going to how that's going to stack up based on. Based on a lot of things. In any event, the Friday night vigil at the wall is the most important part of the weekend to me. Just internally. Externally, because the world gets to see rolling thunder, the loud, the roar of thousands and thousands of motorcycles. They're going to pay attention to us. They're going to, they pay attention to us. They hear us. They see us. They know we're there. We make our presence known. It's it's important that we've done that all these years in the beginning, just to bring attention to the POW MIA issues. They ignored us. We we told them, well, yeah, you left Vietnam and you came back, and you but you left POWs there. They didn't believe us. They were missing in action, unaccounted for. They didn't believe us, and and we made our mark on history. And and I'm very proud of us as Vietnam vets and what we've done in that regard. And we, we also made sure that because we, we uncovered the facts that people never talked about, that whether they knew it or not is another story, but they didn't talk about it. So all the people knew that there was still over 80,000 
POWs and missing in action from World War II and over 8,000 from the Korean War, unaccounted for, still. And and so we brought that to the attention of people, said, nah, there can't be, you are 3,000, oh, you're, you're crazy. Well, then we show them, hey, wait a minute, what have you been hiding from us all these years? The greatest generation left 80,000 of their own unaccounted for? Hey, you know, that's the way it is. Do I have some little bit of resentment? For that, for that name, Greatest Generation? Yes, I do. I'm not going to hold back on that. I don't think it's worthy of a label of PTSD. But I, I certainly do, because I think every generation has its great ones. Those from the Revolutionary War to the Civil War, to every war we fought. How many raised their hand and volunteered and jumped into the fray? The horrors of war. There, there's nothing I can think of that's worse the, the entire human condition than being in a war. Whether you're a civilian caught in the middle of it, as millions and millions have been, or you're one of the soldiers on, on any side, it's it's horrible. And so when you're captured, when you're missing, when you're unaccounted for, when you then we demanded accountability and and the respect for the fact that there was no accountability for the over eighty thousand missing still today from World War II. Now, you know, like I said, every generation is, you know, great in its own way. Why Tom Brokaw labeled that generation the greatest, I have no idea. I guess it's because when he wrote his book and during the time he grew up and he didn't like his generation. Well, that's my generation and I'm proud of my generation. Are we proud of everybody? <laughs> of course not. Are you proud of everybody that was living during that quote-unquote greatest generation time? Yeah, we, we, can, we can argue that, and they often do. So there's some, there are things that are great about my generation, and, and, I, and I'm proud of it, and I think we should all be. I mean, going back to what this so-called president said, the, the progress that we made during my generation for human rights in this country, civil rights, the rights of each and every human being, no matter what their color, that those, the progress that we've made is huge, and and it and it it, it crosses party lines. And you know, I'm not going to sit here and blame the Democrat Party for the Civil War, you know, for slavery, or for you know the KKK, <laughs> which is true. They are responsible for it, but and they're also responsible for Joe Biden. I, I mean, it's the, the man is a disgusting representative. Of, of the institution of politics in the United States of America. If you talk about politics in America, you talk about a lot of people, you know, from the Kennedys to the Reagans, you know, to the, I, I mean, you know, Jimmy Carter. But when you talk about Joe Biden in that, in that regard, that is a disgusting representation of the political class in America. And, and, and that's going to be, a, you know, firmly proved in, in the near future. So I, I, I don't have any doubt about that. Um, nonetheless, there are still, there's still greatness in this generation. We're still here. We're, we're moving on. <laughs> we're, we're moving on upwards and upwards, but we're still here. And as far as I'm concerned, we're still doing great things. But, you know, what, what this current leadership has done, but what they've done in Afghanistan, 
leaving thousands of Americans behind. You know, it's one of the things, not only did we identify all the POWs and MIAs that we left behind, we also, you know, began a mantra of leave no American behind, that we never should again. We said never again will we leave Americans behind. Either after the war is over and we sign the peace treaties, we're going to identify and bring home every POW, every MIA missing in action, every every body of every American that wants to be brought home or whose family wants him or her home. We're going to that's leave no American behind. Well, we we totally turn our backs on that in Afghanistan. I mean, that's that's unacceptable. That's just wrong. It's it's a horrible thing. So we're going to be in Washington. We're riding. This is, again, my 40th year riding across America to Washington, D.C. Yeah, the first few years from 1983 to 1988, I rode from New York. And then after it was the 1988 rally, Rolling Thunder. And I, I, I camped out, I, well, it's in West Virginia, and I packed my tent after the, you know, the Rolling Thunder event. I packed up my tent, I rode back to the campground, got on my Harley, and, and, and rode to San Diego. I said, that's it, I'm done with New York. <laughs> well, I flew back every weekend after that. I still had, a, you know, a business to run and things to do. But nonetheless, that's when I rode out. Um, I, I, I wish I could remember that. I will remember the name of that campground. I promise you I will. But that's where we camped. I packed my tent, got on the bike, rode across the country. That was Sunday, and I got to San Diego on Thursday. Yep. That was <laughs> yeah, that was, that was it. And every year since then, 89 and going forward, I rode from California. From San Diego to Washington D.C. Haven't missed one yet. Hope I hope I don't till I die. <laughs> um, and so uh, yeah, we leave again Thursday or Friday. Gonna gonna just rush straight across America. Hope we don't run into tornadoes or any other kind of horrible weather, which we have in the past. Trust me. Um, last year was not a picnic, and. Um, Thursday, Friday is the uh, candlelight ceremony. On Saturday, we're going to the TAPS organization where Robert Patrick is making a speech again. And that's going to be phenomenal. I, I Hopefully my next podcast will be um, maybe on Sunday from, yeah, a, a, a week from next Sunday from Washington, uh, the day after Robert's speech at, at TAPS and during the Rolling Thunder event rolling to remember of course and i i believe it's back at the pentagon parking lot so i'm i'm kind of excited about it and i'm not kind of excited about it i'm extremely excited about it um because there's so much to be said there's so many and i'm just hoping so many more show up because of what's going on with this administration what's going on in america we need to take this country back we the, the veterans and the veterans families and and, and just every everyday citizens need to to express their outrage at, at what's going on. Again, not just the crisis at the border, the crisis with our military. Our military has been just. I mean, it, it, I I don't want to knock our military, but are they prepared for war under this commander in chief? 
It doesn't look that way to me. Or all my buddies who are getting out, retiring, walking away. It doesn't look like that to them either. And that's what we need. We need a military that is going to defend us as a nation, not spend its time trying to weed out who are the, whether they call them white supremacists, national supremacists. I mean, whatever. I am a national supremacist. America first. America, the greatest country, the greatest nation ever founded in the course of human civilization. That's how I feel about it. And yeah, I, 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 there's a lot of things <laughs> are wrong with everything. <laughs> you know, I mean, to say that, you know, we're, we're, you know, that it's the bad things that we've done or have occurred or the bad habits that we have as a nation that reflect who we are. That's bullshit. It's the greatness. It's it's the things that people line up by the hundreds of thousands to come into America. How many are coming into America from the southern border going through the hell of walking here from where? Honduras, from Ecuador, from wherever they're coming from. 160 different nations. People are, are, are just scratching and clawing and crawling their way to get to America right now, right now. As bad as you want to say it is, oh, we're a country divided. Oh, we're this. Oh, we're that. We're still the greatest country in the world. Maybe that doesn't say much about the world. <laughs> but <laughs> we, we maintain our position, whatever the circumstances are, as the greatest country in the world, bar none. Now, our, our education system is falling apart. Our economy is falling apart. Yeah, but it hasn't fallen apart. It's still the best there is. Yeah, but by what measure? By the measure of freedom. And we're going to keep it free. We're going to do everything that we can to keep it free. And what's the difference between freedom and not freedom? It's how much power the central government has. Yeah, the central government. Hey, that's what I said. It's People say the government. And when you say central government, it, it sounds a little more... Honorous, <laughs> and it should. So, so let me let me let me finish this podcast, which I have a long way to go, with some of the thoughts that I had put together um, over the last week while I had a little bit of time here and there. By the way, my personal, you know, we, I've been in the middle of trying to build and develop a, another business for myself. Take that next step into. You know, where am I going with this life? And um, it's starting to come together. I'm, I'm not talking about a lot. I'm not talking about it at all. But I am talking about the fact that I am working towards making that happen. And um, uh, we're, we're on the verge of getting it done. So sometime pretty soon, you know, we might be recording in a absolute cool studio in a stable location. And... Um, yeah, a lot of things may change, and we're going to be talking about it. But that's in my spare time. Believe me, I've been traveling. I've been uh, I, even on an airplane last week. Oh, my God. <laughs> Something I just really dread. But <laughs> onward and upward. So why is it? Why is it okay to raise taxes on, quote, unquote, the rich? And what is rich anyway? <laughs> it's like, are you kidding? Today, today it's them. Tomorrow it's you. That's right. It's like the white supremacist thing. 
Today it's there, tomorrow's. Who's going to point the finger? Why is it okay to raise taxes on the quote unquote the rich? You know that you talk. Well, why is why do we have to keep on creating these enemies? Why is this always this class warfare that seems to be going on? What 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 is it? Remember what they said. Remember that first they came for the Jews, right? And then they came for the gypsies. Then they came for the gays. Then they yeah. When is it your turn? So, one percent of taxpayers pay forty percent of all the taxes. That's right. The 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 top one percent pay forty percent. So what percent does the top two percent pay? Well, the top five percent. So you know who is this? You know who's this rich person that everybody's picking on? Everybody, yeah, they're rich. Well, what they do wrong that they get to pick to be picked on? So if if you raise the taxes, if you raise the taxes, do you think? These real smart, crafty, creative souls are just going to sit there and go, oh, well, oh, okay, or bitch about it being unfair or yell foul. Hell no. They didn't get that successful whining and complaining. They're going to do something about it. You know, give money to Republicans? No, I don't think so. No, 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 no. It's too late for that once the damage is is done. They'll love yeah, they'll they'll move assets offshore or underground. So so what will the government do? Oh yeah, they're gonna say, oh they're taking their money away. They're anti-American. They're, they're, come on, will you? I mean, yeah, it, it, you, it's predictable what they're gonna do. But what's the government doing now? A cashless economy. That's right. They're going with the new world order. Klaus Schwab. Oh yeah, him him and, and, and who, all the others. I mean. Come on, are you, you, you're going you're gonna to make believe that isn't going on? The new world order, globalism? Nowhere to run, baby. Nowhere to hide. Sure. You know, credit cards only. No big bank withdrawal. You go to the bank and try to, try to withdraw a few thousand bucks. <laughs> Even now, it's not going to happen. 87,000 new IRS agents. Yeah, all with guns, by the way. Yes. You think that they're there for the, what, what are there, a thousand billionaires in the country? Go, oh, yeah, we're going to get the billionaires. We're going to get them to pay their fair share. You know, buddy, what did they do wrong besides create the economy that we feed off? Come on. I mean, 87,000 IRS agents, and you think they're, they're putting them on online to, to go after a handful of billionaires? Yeah. They'll do whatever it takes. So no one, no one gets out alive. Yeah, ha, the joke's on you because this affects us all. So sooner or later, they're, they're, they're going to be locking, up, locking all of us down until the incentive to make money is exceeded only by the incentive to hide what you've got. And when, they're when they've destroyed those incentives, the incentives to work harder and risk more, will have already been shredded. In other words, being able to keep more, to keep more of what you earn, either by hard work, higher risk, or plain luck, is the best incentive to ensure enough of us are working hard and taking risks to keep the economy strong. Of course, that seems logical. Common sense stuff. But, but not in today's America. Yeah, just think about it, okay? Just think about it. Being able to keep more of what you earn 
when you were in by hard work or taking more risks or just by getting lucky. But you've earned it because you took that risk. Okay? You, you didn't get lucky because you just walked along and found a penny heads up. You know, you did something. Okay? So being able to keep more of what you earn is the best incentive to ensure that enough of us are working hard and taking risks to keep the economy strong. Of, of course, that seems logical. But again, not in today's America. Today, risk is amplified by regulation and litigation. Okay? Capitalization requirements putting even small business opportunities out of the reach of more and more small businesses. Again, all right, think about it. Today, all right, your risk is compounded by these regulations, and that's what, you know, that's what the Republican Party, that's what, that's what Donald Trump did. Just got rid of so many regulations. I, I don't think he did enough to limit litigation. But litigation is, is just rampant. Everybody's suing everybody. You turn on your TV, every other ad is about, I don't know, misophilothomia or whatever. Sue this one, sue that one. Do you have cancer? Did you get in an accident? Did you, every, every sign on the road, every, every roadside advertisement is about call this lawyer or call that lawyer, litigate. You know, the, the, the accident attorneys, car accidents, bike accidents, Oh, big truck accidents. You see them all over. Litigation's everywhere. Every corporation is being sued for everything. Every time there's a new law that goes into place and you don't react fast enough to comply because you don't know. You, you, you're, you're setting yourself up for a lawsuit. That's what you're doing. Small business opportunities, man. You have to have so much capitalization to overcome all this stuff. The small business opportunity out of the reach of more and more small business people and, and would-be entrepreneurs, okay? While the belief that government will take care of us is, 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 is given more credibility than, than just amongst welfare, welfare recipients since COVID payments to working-class Americans along with unemployment, PPP, and other government programs have given evidence of that, okay? That, you know, that, that there's this belief that the government's going to take care of us. And that's the evidence, right? Right now, that's all, that people have seen it, all right? Along with promises that future benefits are guaranteed. No wonder more Americans are seeing the benefits of big government when many of us are seeing more reasons not to be reliant on government at the same time. But more and more people us going, well, the government's going to take care of us. They're going to bail out the big guys. They're going to, you know, they're going to take care of the little guys. Go, the government's going to give you the money. They're going to make the laws that make your life easier. They're going to take care of everything. Well, take a look at all the homeless in the streets when you say that or when you think that, because that's the other side of that coin. Black and white are as non-binary as gender for those who want to believe in fairy tales. How did you interpret Pinocchio or Alice in Wonderland? When Pinocchio didn't go to school, he was rewarded by going to a place with all the candy and goodies he could want. Forget the donkey part or the long nose. 
Too many only remember the endless goodies, like, you know, the promises of the cartels and the coyotes to the masses invading our southern border, risking their lives, paying with their life savings or becoming indentured servants or worse, being trafficked, okay? Enslaved. And for what? A promise of a better life like like the drug users risking the consequences of drug use for a few minutes of joy, their risky behavior reinforced by the calls for and the enactments of laws that legalize use as being evidence of freedom, just as, as we've been told abortion is a choice, not the taking of a life. This is, this is what you're hearing, okay? That's right. The risky behavior of, of drug use is definitely being reinforced by the calls for the enactments of laws that legalize the use. Okay, not the sales. We don't, we're not condoning drug dealers. We're not condoning, no. But when you say the use is legal, you're condoning the use. That's what you're doing. <laughs> you, you want to argue, should it be legal, should it not be legal? You can argue all you want. You're condoning the use of drugs. And we could compare that, you know, to prohibition. These are all important things to talk about. But let's understand it for what it is. I want to have a scotch. I don't see anything wrong with that. It's nowhere near as addictive. Drugs are 100% addictive. Is alcohol addictive? Yes, it is. 100% no. Nope. So... Yeah, we're, we're, we're lying to people. We're lying to people. And and, and, I, and I'm telling you, you know, when, when you say, you know, and, and I'm not here to, you know, yell and scream pro-choice or pro-life or abortion, but just think about it. When, when you talk about the taking of a life as a choice, it's a choice, really, it's a choice. It should never have been allowed to be called a choice, okay? And, and this is where we've come to. Not just a question of right and wrong, or even right or left, but a question of who we are and who we want to be. A real choice. And when the government can no longer support itself on our taxes, on the backs of the taxes it takes from hardworking citizens, it will take over those very corporations making those profits. That's right. At some point. They could tax the billionaires. They could tax the businesses. They could tax and tax and tax. But then, when people stop taking risks, when people stop investing their hard-earned money because they're not getting the capital gains tax treatment that makes it worthwhile. When I, I, I'm telling you, take a look at how your government, and I'm talking to the average earner. I'm talking to the average person. I don't know what the average person makes. I don't know what his tax bracket is. But do you really want to tax people who are making a million dollars a year and investing that million dollars into businesses and in on the stock market and other places, investing their money? Because why? Because they're going to get a return. But when the return is going to be taxed to a degree that says, wait a minute, why am I taking this much risk with my money? I'll just put it in the bank. I'll buy bonds. I mean, the government... When it can no longer support itself on our taxes, on the backs of the taxes it takes from 
you know, big business, citizens, whatever. It's going to take over those very corporations making those profits so it can keep all the profits. And when we cross that line, what separates socialism from communism is only a matter of time. And the desires and and the skill sets, as well as the philosophy of the generations in the pipeline of leadership today. That's right. Are they going to open their eyes? Or are they going to stay where they are and say, oh, the government will take care of us. But that's our pipeline. Those are the people in our schools today, in the fifth grade, sixth grade, eighth grade, 10th grade. What are they learning? They're learning CRT, how terrible the country is. They're learning gender fluidity. They're learning atheism. Because that's what, that's what these schools are teaching them. That's what they're learning. That's the pipeline of leadership today. Okay? They're learning the compassion and benevolence of an organized government. Or the, the other side, the whims who will ever become successful. The chaos of freedom. Yeah, that's right. I'd love to talk about that. The chaos of a free-for-all. Or of, of the free for who, of whoever grabs the brass ring. That's right. There's one side, their side. You know, the organized government. The reliability of knowing every day exactly what's going to happen. The rules that they set up, okay? <laughs> and and the compassion and benevolence of that organized government, okay? Yeah, you're going to see it written down in stone. Or the whims of, of whoever becomes successful. That's it. That's the chaos of a, of, of, of a free-for-all of... Whoever grabs that brass ring first, who can use their connections, their own personal resources, and those they've inherited to claim the mantle and lead the nation, determine our priorities and protect and secure the future for posterity. Your choice, an orderly, authoritative government or a hodgepodge of chaos, okay, with individual freedom and liberty, for all. Oh yeah, justice. Well, it, it seems that, that that's in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> yeah, rely on the government or buy your own when it comes to justice. I get it. I get it. I get what our side looks like. That's right. It is a free-for-all. And, and, you know, the person who's able to claw their way to the top, either by becoming filthy rich, right? Maybe they inherited their money. Maybe they won it in the card game. <laughs> it happens. All right? But that individual in a free society is the person who gets to determine our priorities and protect and secure the future of this country. You can have that authoritative government. That's fascism. That's it. A benign dictatorship benign until it doesn't want to be benign <laughs> yeah i mean every dictatorship sooner or later becomes whatever they whatever that dictator wants it to be at least with the chaos of of a, of a free economy you're gonna get people to fight and argue <laughs> that's the chaos that's where the free nation is that's what a free civilization is yes it's chaotic yes I love that word. Yes. <laughs> but that's what 
That's what makes it free. That's what makes it, everybody has a chance. It's like, okay, someone's going to, you know, pop that gun, and that's the starting line. Everybody in the starting line. Everybody. And that's the thing. Do we all get to the same place on the starting line? Some people are born with different opportunities, you know? The opportunities may be the same, but, you know, if you're gifted when you're born with a better intellect, Maybe you're going to be bigger and stronger. Maybe your family is wealthy. Maybe, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe you're going to be, you know, short, squat, fat. You're going to have a funny face. Maybe you're going to be really, really smart. Maybe you're going to be not so smart. I don't know. That's the way it is with humanity. But who's going to decide which one of us is going to make the best use of the, the, the assets we were born with or have the ability to overcome the obstacles that we find in our ways. Is it, is it, are we going to appoint the person, the quote unquote, the Wizard of Oz, to make those decisions? Or are we going to leave it up to the individual? That's freedom, baby. And, it, and it, there's no panacea, but freedom gives each and every one of us a chance. Hey, on another note, did you see Trump on CNN? How awesome was that? How awesome was that? Amazing. How do you watch that guy? And then think about the guy who stole that office from him, from us. What's going on? I I, I, I don't understand it. I, and I see, you know, the the reaction from the, the left, the Democrats, the Trump haters, I, I don't understand it. Somebody explained it to me. I don't get it. And then, of course, you, you, you look at what just went on in New York. Daniel Penny, a former United States Marine. They say he's 24 years old. He looks a little older than that, but 24-year-old former Marine is on the subway. And some crazed dude starts yelling and threatening and, you know, acting in ways that scare people. And then he starts doing things that scare people. And, and, and Danny Penny, Daniel Penny, grabs him and holds him back before he has a chance to hit somebody. And two other passengers jump in and help him subdue this guy. And he keeps holding him down. And the guy eventually passes. Turns out he's a 30-year-old guy with a rap sheet as long as my arm. A little bit of a nutcase, yeah. But, you know, he's been offered help and turned it down. He's been guilty of a lot of bad things. 42. 42 times. I, I, and and I, Daniel Penny steps up and actually you know you got all these people on the subway train who, who thanked him but they were scared and he stepped up and grabbed the guy and kept him from hurting people and now he's being charged with manslaughter what's up with that on the other side of that coin of course his gofundme page has raised a million six hundred thousand seven hundred thousand and it's going up and you know they're going to need all of that to defend him 
But how do you, why do you want to do things that are going to discourage people from getting involved? He's not a vigilante. A vigilante goes out with the intention of, you know, finding a criminal and bringing him to justice in some way, shape, or form. This guy's there. He's a hero. He's on the train when some berserk guy starts threatening people and scaring people and he's he's about to damage people until Daniel Penny steps up and grabs him. And then thankfully two other guys come in and help him out. And now you're gonna charge the city of New York's charging Daniel Penny with manslaughter? Why would anybody step up in a in any situation as a a civilian and get involved un, unless you know you know hey my life is being threatened and yep I'm gonna probably be charged but I'd rather be tried by twelve than carried by six. That's the way it is. But it looks like if you live in New York City, you're gonna be tried by twelve. I mean, if you're a cop, you know that already. I mean, every time you do something that in, in, in the process of arresting somebody, you damage them in any way. You're going to be put on trial. Your, basically, your, your pension, your livelihood, everything is being threatened. And, of course, we didn't talk about the end of Title 42, what's going on at the border, but we will. Look, I'm getting on the road. I'm headed to Washington to celebrate those who died and their families, the Gold Star families who were there every year. I'm going to be joining my 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 really close friend, Robert Patrick. This is, I believe it's the 17th year he's ridden with me. And he's developed his own, you know, world in Washington where everybody can see everything that's going on and understand it. And, and you know, he's going to be there talking at the TAPS organization. We're going to talk about that at some point. You need to know about it. It does a, just a great job with the survivors, the children, the families of those killed defending our country. So um, we're on our way, and um, this is it. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. They're rolling with New York, Mike. Thanks for thanks for being a subscriber. And um, for the next week, I'm out. Thanks for listening to Rolling with New York Mike. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to keep this podcast rolling.